the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hour number two of the Bruce Hooley Show starts right now. And uh, I'm Jack Windsor, Editor-in-Chief of the Ohio Press Network. Delighted and honored to be here with you, filling in for Bruce. Uh, Bruce, we are thankful for you. We are grateful for you. We love you. Uh, We can't wait to have you back in this chair and behind this microphone. And I want to remind listeners uh, to go to 989theanswer.com. You will see the Bruce Hooley Show icon there. You can click on that, and that will take you to a place that you can donate to Bruce and his family as uh, they endure the incredibly expensive uh, recovery process from uh, his surgery and treatment uh, uh, against brain cancer. So, uh, Bruce, we are thankful for you, and we are thankful for the stage that you've set here at 98.9 FM, The Answer. And uh, I'm just humbled to fill in. Uh, Big shoes, big shoes to fill. Um, Thinking about what is coming up this week, and... uh, Yet this show, uh, first of all, at 12:22, Dr. Mark Caleb Smith will be here. That's next segment. He is uh, Cedarville University director of the Center for Political Studies, and he's going to talk with you about the legacy of Rosalind Carter. And then we're going to talk at 12:35 to a guy who has some gold pants. And if you don't know what that means, we're going to tell you what that means at 12:35. He is Matt Finkus. And man, was he a stalwart. He was the pride of Piqua, Ohio. And uh, he's going to tell us about the game, the games that he played in, maybe a couple of memories he has. And um, maybe what his prediction is for Saturday. Right now the line is uh, the team up north by three and a half. Uh, Jeff, what do you think about that? that? Does that seem like a fair line to you? I caught him off guard. I, I mean, it's hard to say. They're, they're, it's hard to to really know. I, I don't really know how they pick those because you know, uh, Michigan up there, they uh, they cheat. Yeah. Well, <laughs> they, I mean, sure, but I had to. They they've only played Penn State. Really, it's the only tough game they've played, and they had a very similar game that Ohio State had against Penn State. Yep. And otherwise. <laughs> They haven't really played anybody good, so it's it's kind of hard. I guess you give them the three because they're at home. Yep, is probably and maybe the half point then is like a shade that maybe they're just a little better. Although Maryland gave them everything they wanted, yeah, everything. Yeah, it was uh, so it's it's interesting. I, I'd be that's something I'd like to know. How do they pick those lines? <laughs> my understanding is, and I'm not a betting guy. I I you know I have my vice is watching football. I don't need more than that, and so. My understanding is as as the you know the contest gets closer, uh, they're trying to get more money in. So 
so that line will change in order for people to pour more money in. And so you'll kind of see that get to a different spot. It might be it might be a dead heat by Saturday. I don't know. One other question. I'll put you right on the spot. Do you have a favorite game or a favorite memory from the game? Well, I, I think the one that I, I find most entertaining is um, – I don't remember which year it was. It was the JT Barrett, Urban Meyer, with the the one yard, the fourth and one, where he gets it, he gets it, and then I all the the Michigan people always say he didn't get it, and then you know they the the pictures will draw the line. It's like okay, they think the first down line curves around the ball, so that <laughs> right in that spot he didn't get it. But yes, that, that's, that's probably my 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 favorite memory there. That was a fantastic game, and you know the meme is iconic of Jim Harbaugh with his hands up, like we missed it by this much. Of course, now 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 we're saying we were this close to getting away with the cheating scandal. Um, well, here's my here's one of my favorite. You ready for this? And then maybe you can guess when this was. Second and four. And a spinning, no breaking free. Headed for the end zone, Chris Wells. 52 yards. All right, I'm putting you on the spot. Any idea when that was? Well, Beanie Wells, that would have been uh, around, I'm going to say 2010, right in there. You're close. He, he was. That would have been his senior year. That was actually Beanie Wells as a freshman in 2006, the game of the century. I still get goosebumps. I was down at the, I was down at the horseshoe that day, and he takes the handoff. You know, they were just on on the other side of the 50. Gets hit, spins, finds a just a little crease, boom, and then he's gone. And he sprints whatever it was, 54 yards, and. It was seven to seven in the second quarter at that time. That game ended up forty-two to thirty-nine. The Ohio State University Buckeyes, and then of course uh, they went on to play in the national championship that year against Urban Meyer's Florida Gators, and and that that didn't go so hot. Ted Ginn returned the kickoff for a touchdown in that game. I think I think they played it in the Fiesta Bowl and broke his foot while they were celebrating, and that was it. Was that against LSU? That wasn't an LSU game where he returned the kickoff. Was it LSU? That's I thought that was the LSU game. You might be right. You might be right. I do know that it was 41 to 14. That was the final. And the whole contest, I just kept thinking, you know, they're going to break out here. And it was just awful. They had no traction. And Urban Meyer and, and his team just did everything right. They were dinking and dunking Ohio State to death. And every time they touched the ball, it seemed like they scored. So that's one of my favorite memories. Um, yeah, the line at, at three and a half is interesting. I'm going to hold my prediction uh, until tomorrow. And I'm excited to hear what Matt Finkus says about this contest because, um, man, I think the buildup to this is 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 just about like the game of the century. And if I remember correctly, and, you know, I've watched so much football, sometimes – all the all the different little nuances of each special game kind of get you know tossed together in a ball, and maybe I'm not distinguishing you know one from the other. 
I think it was the game of the century uh, that that Bo died right before that game. And so there was tremendous buildup for that. I don't know, uh, Jeff, do you feel like this game has just as much buildup of any other contest in your in your memory bank? Well, I I do think there's a lot to this one because, you know, after losing the last two, at least here, I mean, I, obviously I don't know what it's like up there, but here after losing the last two and, you know, coming into the season and being 11-0 now and then with all the cheating stuff that's come out, you know, I think everyone around here is definitely fired up to win that game, and and it's huge because whoever wins is going to the playoff, basically, because I, I can't see either team losing in the Big Ten championship game. So whoever wins this one is going to the playoff and will likely be the number one seed pending what happens with with some of the other games. But Do you think Ohio State can lose and still make the final, the, the, make it up uh, the final four spots to go into the playoff? I don't think so. I don't think whoever loses. If if Ohio State wins, I think Michigan's done. If Michigan wins, I think Ohio State's done. Just because of the way, like, the, you need people to lose. But you look at the other conferences. Right now, you know, what if Alabama beats Georgia, well, Alabama's going in because they won their conference. And, yep. and if Oregon beats Washington, well, they're going because they won their conference. Their conference. And then you got to fight with one loss Georgia, one loss Washington and you know so it'll it'll get real messy if if all this plays out that way. Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting and you know I guess the the thing that I would say as a Buckeye fan is you control your own destiny, don't leave it in the hands of anyone else. Get the W on Saturday. I don't know, I don't know about you, but it, you know, I think about my competitive juices and what would get me fired up. First of all, if you can't get fired up for this game, I know it's a misnomer, then you're at the wrong school number one. But number two, I would look back and go, you know, in the COVID era, that team up north wanted to cancel the game. They canceled the game. And then what it appears to be now, they they cheated the last two years that they beat us. I'd have a little chip on my shoulder if I were the Buckeyes on Saturday. I I think some people say, well, you know, they're they're playing without Harbaugh, that team up north. And, you know, they've got nothing to lose and, and, and they've got a point to prove. And I don't know. How do you see it, Jeff? Would you do you think that do you think this scenario favors the 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 Wolverines or the Buckeyes? Well, I mean, it's you've got motivation both ways because both teams really want to win this game. They've always wanted to win this game. You've got the extra motivation for Ohio State because you know, oh, they were cheating. That's the only reason they beat us. Come on, that's ridiculous. We got to get them. And then, but you got to go on the road to do it, so that makes it harder. And you know, and then those guys. Well, we got to do it for coach. He's being falsely accused, you know. So they're they're going to have extra extra fire over there. I it's probably wrong to say this. I'd love to see their assistant coach crying again on Saturday, but this time in defeat. But we're only a couple of days away, and that's why I love this time of year. The build up, the anticipation is awesome. I'll tell you what else is going to be awesome on the other side of this break. Doctor Mark Caleb Smith on the legacy of Rosalind Carter. So stay tuned to ninety eight nine FM. The answer. Welcome back in. Hey, real quick, I want to tell you about the Freedom Foundation. That's the group that helps free government employees from union bondage. And they do that 
with optouttoday.com. So if you are a government employee and you're in a union and you didn't know that you could get out of the union, you can. Go to optouttoday.com and see how simple and seamless it is to opt out. You're going to save about $1,100 per year, but here's the best part. You're going to stop that money from going to union bosses who monolithically support Democrats' uh, progressive agendas, not only in our uh, in our governments, but in our schools. And uh, you can go to optouttoday.com. You can share it with your friends and loved ones who are government employees. And thank you to the Freedom Foundation for your support of the Ohio Press Network and for all that you're doing uh, for government employees. All right. Uh, I want to get right to the phone line here. And I want to bring in Dr. Mark Caleb Smith. He's a, a dean, at School of Arts and Humanities, director of the Center for Political Studies, uh, professor of political science at Cedarville University. And uh, Dr. Smith, welcome to The Bruce Woolley Show. How are you today? I'm doing fine. How are you? Super fantastic. Do you prefer me to call you Dr. Smith or Dr. Caleb Smith? Uh, Dr. Smith's fine or Mark is fine as well. I'm good however you do it. Okay, excellent. Well, let me. I want to talk about Rosalind Carter in just a moment, yeah. but I want to get your pulse on something, if I may. And, and, and if this is a visceral response, it's even better. Have you have you ever seen a political climate and environment like we have right now in America in 2023, uh, where it seems that one political candidate who is probably who's, who's carrying a majority plus of voter support is being called the greatest threat to the world? and the greatest threat to our democracy. Have you ever seen anything like this? Uh, I think we're in a really complicated environment right now. And the one that um, it reminds me of the most, at least historically, uh, is really the mid to late 1960s and early 1970s, when uh, there's a great deal of turmoil, a great deal of disagreement over America's role in the world. Um, You had certainly accusations and sometimes evidence of political corruption, uh, we have violence in our cities during that period. We have race riots in places like Detroit and Los Angeles. And, of course, this is also an era of uh, assassinations. Um, and so I think what we're living through right now feels a little bit like that, but not quite there. And I know it's popular to talk about the Civil War and the era before the Civil War and how there's so much division. I don't think we're anywhere near that, personally. Um, but it is a contentious environment. And, you know, I'm hopeful that maybe we can manage our way through it. And yep. we'll see some uh, leadership emerge that can cobble together some of these things. But it is a um, it is a, it's a very tough environment for all those involved, not just political leaders, but voters, of course, as well. Absolutely. You know, Tucker Carlson even made the just unbelievable comment that he would not be surprised if there was an attempt on Donald Trump's life. And, and that seems to kind of track with some of what you're saying. And I said yesterday that some of the people who are comparing this to the Civil War – to me, it seems as if they are trying to villainize not only the Republicans, but Trump Republicans and conservatives, constitutional representative republic supporters, and, and really trying to make them look like southern slave owners uh, during the Civil War. I think that's why they use that. Uh, do you have any thought on that before we go into to, to Rosalind? Um, I mean, I think that there's a lot of rhetoric around Civil War right now, um, and it's coming from different parts of both parties. Mm-hmm. Um there's a lot of argument on the right about the so-called great divorce um, yep. and some movements here and there to secede in parts of the country. And, of course, on the left, there's there's always been this sort of persistent issue of things like sanctuary cities and sort of an unwillingness to abide by federal authority on certain things. And I I mean, I, I understand it's not always appealing, but I think 
right now both parties are struggling over um, the role of the Constitution and the role of federal law uh, mm-hmm. because there's just so much disagreement over what the Constitution even means and whether or not and to what extent the federal law should be binding. And it's a clash of values is what we're really looking at, and um, it's it's not going to go away anytime soon. Well, let's get into the meat of it, and I, I buried the lead on this if I were a journalist is what I would say I did. Uh, Eleanor Rosalind Carter, uh, she was first lady, obviously, from uh, 77 to 81 when uh, President Jimmy Carter was in office, and she passed away uh, on the 19th, so just three days ago. Um, What kind of legacy do you think that she left this country? I think a couple of things are worth noting. Um, One is, uh, as a first lady, as most first ladies pick sort of an issue to um, emphasize during their time in the White House, and uh, she chose the issue of mental health. And from today's perspective, in the 2020s, choosing mental health seems kind of not all that ambitious or interesting. But I would say in the mid to late 1970s, that was a pretty remarkable thing for the White House to do. Um, she focused on destigmatizing mental struggles that people were going to. She tried to get behind legislation that was eventually passed in 1980 that dealt with mental health. And so I think she'll leave a long legacy of advocacy for the mental health of Americans. Um, The other thing I think, which is an interesting legacy, is she really was probably more of a political partner to Jimmy Carter uh, than simply a spouse. And I don't want to minimize the role of a spouse, but she was an active part of the political process in the White House. Um, She regularly attended briefings. She was regularly at cabinet meetings. She was part of substantive discussions at state dinners and things like that. And so um, she truly was uh, part of the political process in a way that most first ladies up to her had not been. And uh, probably really since Eleanor Roosevelt, the most high-profile and influential first lady that we that we'd had. Yeah, and I think she, you know, I think she's a champion of women's rights as well. And going, yep. but, but going yep. back to what you said, uh, it, it almost seems like that might have been uh, a role model for someone later down the road by the name of Hillary Rodham Clinton. Yeah, I think there's truth of that for sure. You know, I think without uh, Rosalind Carter, you probably don't have uh, Mrs. Clinton's ability to step into a similar kind of a role. Um, but and it's it's been unusual still even since then for first ladies to be politically prominent in a public way. Um, but certainly Rosalind Carter challenged the the typical expectation for what we get out of first ladies. Hey, uh, he is uh, Dr. Mark Caleb Smith, Cedarville University. We'll, we hope to have you back. Thirty seconds here. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna totally yeah. switch directions on you. The team up north or Ohio State, or does it not matter to you? <laughs> Uh, I'm a graduate, a proud graduate of the University of Georgia, and so um, I'll be rooting for the Bulldogs and uh, hoping that whoever wins in Michigan, Ohio State, that they'll be ready to play in the playoff. I'll tell you what, the Bulldogs and Ohio State last year to me was the national championship. What a Uh, football game. game. Phenomenal game, no question. Dr. Smith, thank you so much. You and your family have a blessed Thanksgiving. Thanks. Same to you and your listeners. Thank you so much. Hey, uh, we have more coming. The next guest is going to be fun. Uh, Matt Finkus, do you remember him? We'll talk about Matt and the game and his memories of the game and maybe get his prediction on the rivalry. And uh, maybe he's, he's, he's been coming out talking a lot about whether he thinks Michigan is cheating. Maybe we'll, we'll kick off with that. But you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned to 98.9 FM, The Answer. Jack Windsor filling in for Bruce Willis.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.